verse with us. Where all death is 
Good morning. Is it on? It wasn't on last week. And they said there were a whole string of people at the back waving at me last week. So apparently I can't hear or see. <laughs> I'm glad you're here this morning. Always a good thing when we have an opportunity to be together in, in the presence of the Lord. And as God has been reminding us in recent days, it's not just us gathering here to talk about Him, it's us gathering here to be with Him, because He is here in spiritual presence, and He will make His presence known in all of our lives in the way that He sees fit. And for one person, it'll be one moment in the service, and for another person, it'll be another something that happens during the course of of being here in his house, but he has a way of connecting with each and every one of us in just the way we need him to touch our lives. Recently, I've had the opportunity to attend some services in, in other churches, and I became aware um, of the fact that all, all churches have their way of doing things. And uh, denominations have things that they do differently, and then individual congregations have uh, observances that are old hat to them, but are very um, foreign to those who have never been present in, in such a, a worship gathering. And, and with that in mind, uh, I just felt of the Lord today to talk about why we gather at the front of the church to pray for each other. Why do we do it that way? Because uh, a, a lot of folks come in and, and they're like, you know, what's going on? And and it happens quite often here because we, we believe the... Now I heard that. Am I alright? If they're talking to me, I can't hear them. Can you? But I, I thought um, as we gather around one another and we pray, maybe you, you've been here and you've wondered, why do they do that? That's... And maybe it's unsettling if you've never been a part of that. Well, there's a biblical reason why we practice that, and I'm going to talk about it and direct you to, to that passage of Scripture and some other supporting Scriptures uh, so that you can understand why in the church of God we do a thing that we call anointing with oil and having prayer. Um, and so we're going to look at that and, and see if we can understand what God is calling us in that regard. Now some folks will look at that and say, well, you know, that was a method then and you don't have to do that now. And I get that. And this is not to say that, that because we practice it this way, that that's the only way. But I want you to understand why we, as the church of God, um, practice what we do when it comes to using the oil and, and gathering around one another to have prayer. So I'm going to invite you to turn to James chapter 5 to begin with. If you'll if you'll go there, we're going to look at verses 13 through 16, and then we're just going to look at this teaching and, and, and break it down and, and try to see why we make the application that we do. James is writing a letter to Christians who are scattered everywhere um, because of the persecution that's come against Jewish Christians. And as he writes this letter, it's kind of a circular, if you will. It's kind of making its, its uh, a way around all the different gatherings, all the different population gatherings of, of Jewish believers. 
And he is talking to them about how important faith is. He's talking to them about the fact that, that when you believe in Jesus, that it's going to make a difference in the way that you live. And so that there is, there's a faith that is real, but there are works that follow that faith. And he says if works don't follow the faith, then you have to begin to question the quality of that, of that faith relationship. So it's a very practical word that he shares. And then when he gets over to the, to the fifth chapter, he, he brings all kinds of practical instructions. He begins the chapter by saying that, that we need to be careful that we don't place our confidence in worldly riches, but that rather we place our confidence in God and the spiritual riches that He brings to our lives. And so a lot of practical advice. And then he gets to the 13th verse, and he says, Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Man, what a powerful passage of Scripture that speaks to our well-being not only physically but spiritually. He says that when we present ourselves to the Lord and, and we have in mind that we need God's touch in this way, and maybe it's a physical need, probably a physical need, God is not only going to minister to the physical need that has become so obvious to us, but He's also going to, to minister to the spiritual needs that maybe are, are so deeply hidden within us that they have not become obvious to us. And God says, while I'm, while I'm touching your shoulder, Ron, I'm going to touch your soul. I'm not only going to make you feel better physically, I'm going to make you feel better spiritually and bring you closer to myself. And what a wonderful God that He not only tends to the obvious, but He tends to that which has escaped our notice. As a matter of fact, when you go to the Old Testament and you look in the book of Leviticus and those other places in those first five books of the Bible where God is describing the sacrificial system, He has, a, he has an offering that is to be made that is a general offering for whatever may be wrong within the, the population of His people. And so God is saying, sometimes there are things happening in you that you're not in tune with. Sometimes there's something that's gone awry and you don't even realize that you're off course. And God says, if you'll offer yourself in the confidence that I know how to minister to you, I'll not only take care of what you've noticed, but I'll take care of the things that have escaped your notice. Man, I am thankful this morning to serve a God who cares about me like that, aren't you? Yeah. It's a good place for an amen. Let's practice. Amen. That felt good, didn't it? My mother-in-law, Molly Brown, is here this morning. I'm glad you're here. Can you wave? She has a Bible that she gave me that was hers, a New Testament. You remember that Bible? And, uh, and so she, Molly, through the years, as she would be sitting in preaching, she would notate uh, the preacher and the date and... Um, and so she passed it along to me, and I had the privilege, and, and maybe it wasn't a privilege for her, but I had the privilege to be her and my father-in-law Holmes pastor for a spell when we were in Columbia together. And uh, so there were many notations about the times that, that she was there, and I would bring a message, but also notations about Brother Berkowitz. And he's a, he's a hero to, to our family. Uh, and, and truly had an impact in our lives, and so I am so thankful. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for your love for the Word, and I'm thankful that you're, uh, you're a good mother-in-law. I don't tell mother-in-law jokes. 
Because you're a good mother-in-law. <laughs> I know a couple, but I don't tell them. God takes care of what I know I need help with, but God also takes care of the things that, man, I, I didn't realize. You know, that happens with all of us. Sometimes a friend will come alongside us and say, you know, I don't know if you know this, but sometimes, and, and they show us something, and thank God for those kinds of friends who show us something that just escaped us. And, um, and those of us who are married have spouses that do that for us. Amen? And they'll say, man, I don't know if you, I don't know if you realize this, Ron, but, you know, and, and Beck will tell me something, and sometimes I take it graciously, and sometimes uh, I need to take a walk after she tells me so that she won't have something else she needs to tell me. But, but God knows all of those things that are a part of our makeup. And, that, and that's part of what He's saying here. He says, when you present yourself for prayer, for healing, not only will He heal your body, but He will forgive your sin. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you for that. Now, why do we do this? Well, it's in the Bible. And I think we need to be more careful that we do all of the things that are, that are given us in Scripture that, that apply to our lives. But this is one that, that we have been careful to practice. And there's a reason for it. And I'm going to see, pray for me. I'm going to see if I can, from my heart, share with you what I understand about this passage of Scripture and this particular pra practice in the life of the church. First of all, when you're going through hard times, he says... Pray. That, that's just good advice, and it seems so uh, unnecessary to say it, but how often is something going wrong in my life, and I try everything else before I get around to praying about it? And so he's stating the obvious because sometimes we need that, that encouragement. He says, when you're going through hard times, pray. Philippians 4, 6 says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. And I'll add to that, all He's going to do in answer to our prayers. Prayer is an opportunity for me and for you to surrender ourselves to God and our circumstances to God. It's to get to the place in life where we realize I'm not able to make this better. I've tried this and I've tried that. My friends have tried to help me here. God, this is beyond human remedy. And I want to lay myself and my need before you. God, would you please reach in? Would you intervene miraculously in my life and do what nobody else is able to do in this particular area of concern in my life? Prayer is to say, God, I want you and I want the solutions that you want to bring to my life. And I'm surrendering to that. I'm yielding to that. Lord, if you will show me the pathway in which you would have me to walk, I'll walk there by your help and, and by your grace. And so, if you're going through a tough time, James says, pray. And then he says, if you're going through good times, sing. Song is good for the heart. Amen? I mean, it just is. It's, it, music is powerful. God's made it powerful. I like all kinds of music. Last week, I, was, I like Alison Krauss. And last week, I was listening to Alison Krauss, and this old tune came on, Sawing on the Strings. I don't know if you've heard that song or not. It, Y'all, it is, it is hardcore bluegrass. It's the metal of bluegrass, okay? And I love to pick with my grandkids, and Rachel plays the violin, and I've, I've been telling her, you know that violin is really a fiddle. <laughs> and I want you to learn some fiddle music. And so we go back and forth about it. And so I sent her sawing on the strings. 
I'm high tech, man. I, it was playing it on my phone. I put share. I sent it to her in a text message. She's in school. And if you think kids don't use their phones in school, send your grandkid a message in the middle of the day and see what happens. <laughs> in about two minutes, I, I get back a picture of her with her hand over her eyes. And her response was, why? <laughs> So she spent the night with us Friday night, and I said, I want you to learn that song and play it for me. Pap, I am not learning that song. I like all kinds of music. Music's good for the soul. But there's a, there's a particular kind of music that really is redemptive in our experience. Worship and praise music, hymns. Spiritual songs. As a matter of fact, listen to the Scripture from Colossians. Let the message about Christ in all of its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all wisdom that He gives you. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. There's all kinds of songs to be sung. And, and you have your preference. And another brother or sister has their preference. And you know, style is not the thing. It's the essence of the message of the lyrics. And we put that together with the tune that just kind of brings it, that soothes it to our being. And it's amazing how powerful that is. It will multiply the gladness of our hearts as we worship Him. The Bible says, God says, that He will inhabit the praises of His people. And I believe it's so. Because when we're going through a worship service here, and when I worship during the course of the week using my iTunes uh, song list, it's amazing how you can be singing a song and just be caught up into the very presence of the Lord and what that song is saying about His love for us and His ministry to us. And so James is very practical. He says, man, if, it, if you're having a good day, sing praises to the Lord because God is behind all that goodness that's being poured out in your lives. If you know that, say amen. amen. And then he says, there are going to be times when you're going through difficulty and you need to pray. There are going to be times when you're going through good times and you, you just need to sing and celebrate what's happening in that moment of your life. And he said, then there's going to be times when you're sick. And when you're really sick, it's amazing how that sickness can, in a moment in time, become all-encompassing to us. And you pray... And you feel like things aren't getting better. If anything, they're just getting worse or staying the same. And he gives a very practical word. We need God, but we need each other too. And James wants us to understand that we need to humble ourselves and depend upon one another. And the strength that comes when brothers and sisters gather around us in faith and believe with us for that touch which... Only God can bring to our lives. There are times when I need you to pray for me because I'm in a place where I can't, I can't hardly even see the light. I, I have a difficult time believing I can get beyond this moment. And I need your prayers in those times. And we all need that. We need that support that comes from the family of God in those times of sickness that just, that just absolutely wrench the life out of us. I mean, when you're hurting... You try to think about something else, but you're hurting so bad, all you can think about is that pain that has come against you. We need each other in those times. We need people to believe with us and to believe for us. We need people who will gather around us 
Like those four friends gathered around that paralyzed man and carried him into the presence of Jesus. Sometimes I need you to carry me into the presence of Jesus because I'm having a tough time getting there on my own. And we all need that. And so Paul writes in God's Word in 1 Timothy 4, Do not neglect the spiritual gift you received through the prophecy spoken over you when the elders of the church laid their hands on you. And he's talking about a practice, elders. What is that about? The spiritual leaders within any given congregation are, in biblical New Testament terms, are the elders. Those that God has entrusted with a call of leadership upon their lives. More narrowly, it's talking about pastors. So, in essence, if we practice strictly according to what's being said here, it would be like this. Let's say Brooks comes to me before the service and says, Brother Ron, I, I need, to, I need a, to be anointed and prayed for. I've got something going on in my body and I just need the Lord's touch. And so we come to a time in the service and, and we say, Brooks is going to come forward and be anointed and prayed for this morning. And we invite the whole church. Now, it, we could be strict and say that it's just the elders. We believe that, um, that it's... Spiritually speaking, it's the elders leading the way for the, for the family of God, for the whole church to gather around someone. The elders lay on hands, but then the whole church gathers around the fact that the elders are seeing and believing that God is wanting to do something in Brooks's life. And so we gather and we lay hands on, on Brooks. And when it's a larger crowd, you can't all get a hand on Brooks' shoulders, so you lay a hand on someone's shoulder close to you. But there's this network of faith that's being established. And we are agreeing together in behalf of a need that has been presented. And we're asking for God to reach in. We're asking for God to heal, for God to intervene, for God to bring His spiritual deliverance in, in this given moment in Brooks's life, as, as an example this morning. The oil represents the very presence of God. When you go to the Old Testament and you find the earliest examples of oil being used in anointing, it was the prophets of God and the kings being anointed with oil, and it represented the holy presence of God upon their lives. And as the people laid hands on and prayed, they were saying, God, we ask for Your fullness to be poured out in this brother's life, in this sister's life. And Paul, in the example to Timothy, is saying, Remember how when you felt that call of God upon your life that the elders gathered around you and prayed for God's gifting and anointing in your life. It's a spiritual moment when we ask God to reach in and we can look back to that moment and say, God, I ask You to reach in. I know You're reaching in. Thank You for what You have done, but Lord, thank You for what You are doing. And so the oil represents the presence of God. The hands represent the network of faith. And the prayer, he says the prayer of faith shall save the sick and if he's committed any sins, his sins shall be forgiven. The prayer is, God, we want you to have your way in this life. Lord, we want you to do what nobody else could possibly do in behalf of this man or this woman in this moment. And sometimes we have people come forward and they're anointed in behalf of someone. 
Someone's not able to be here because of their, of their current need, but, but a loved one, a family member, someone, a friend comes and says, I, I want to ask for God's blessing in his life or her life, and I'm, I'm standing in proxy for them, and, and I'm asking that God would touch them uh, in a very profound way, even though they're not, not able to be here in this moment. And we practice that. But all of it boils down to this. We're family. We care about each other. If one cries, we all cry. If one laughs, we all laugh. If one celebrates, we all celebrate. If one mourns, we all mourn. We care about each other. And one of the ways that we can express that is when someone comes and says, I need God's touch. We gather around to say, we believe in God's touch. We want God's touch for you. We're here to lift you up into the very presence of Jesus in this moment. It's powerful. It's, it's practical. It's spiritual. It's obedience in its purest form. It's to say, Lord, we want You and we want what only Your hand can bring to our experience. And like I said, there's times when I've prayed and I've prayed and I've prayed and my pain is such that it's like I just can't get that spirit spark of faith or, or trust that I need, but when you come alongside me and say, God's going to take you, through, take you through this, He's got you. It does something in the spirit of mankind. It does something in us. You know what? I remember when I first went to school to prepare for ministry, how misplaced I felt thought, who in the world am I to ever become a preacher and stand before a body of people and, and bring God's Word? Who, who am I to do that? And I lacked all confidence. And I remember Dr. Boyer, our pastoral ministries professor, gave me an assignment to go preach in a church. And y'all, I was physically sick about going to preach in that church. It was going to be my first... I would preached in class, okay? But this was going to be my first time to stand up before a congregation of people and preach. Tommy was a little fella. So we went by way, we were going to Jacksonville. We went by way of Daytona and we dropped Tommy with Holmes and Molly. My first time to preach. And Tommy's first time in that church. That was not going to be a good day. So we... I wish they had left me with Holmes and Molly, and Becky had just gone and sung, but we left Tommy. Molly gave me that Bible I was talking about, and we went to Jacksonville. First time I ever preached in a church. I preached from cover to cover everything I knew, and I was done in 10 minutes. <laughs> and it was awful. And we were driving back to Daytona that afternoon to, to have dinner and pick Tommy up and go back to Lake Wells. And Becky waited until we were about halfway to Daytona. And she said, she asked, are you sure you want to do this for a living? <laughs> My help me. 
And I'll be honest with you, I wasn't sure. I said, I, I'll be honest with you, I don't know. I said, that, that, was, that was misery. What was it? She said, yeah, it was. It was, it was misery. <laughs> Not only was I embarrassed, but I was embarrassed for you. I mean, really. It, and I'm like, who in the world? Lord, I don't want to do this. And I got back and Dr. Boyer said, um, how'd it go? And I said, oh, I, I don't know. I'm thinking about changing majors. And he put his arm around my shoulder. Now, this is a retired Church of God minister who had been a leading um, figure in the Church of God through the years. And he said, the first time's always tough. God's called you. He's got you. It'll be all right. He had to believe for me that it would be all right. Because in that moment, I didn't believe it. And it took me a while to get to the place where I believed I should stick with it. There are times in life when life comes against us in such a way that the best thing in the world that can happen is for, some, is for someone or several someones to gather around us and say, this too shall pass. It's going to be all right. God's got you. He loves you. He's going to deliver you. He's going to heal you. We believe with you for what God is going to do that you, don't even, you can't even put into words to ask for. That's why we do this. That's it. Brian Hatfield fell from a horse this weekend and got hurt pretty bad. And Fairy Ann's going to come right now and be anointed in his behalf. And now you know why we do it. We want to gather around Fairy Ann, who's here to pray for her husband and be anointed in his behalf, and ask for, come right over here, and ask for God's healing in his life and for God's blessing on your life, because we know you, you're hurting with him. And we, we want you to know that if, if, if you're timid and you want to remain seated, that, that's okay. Just do that. But if you want to come, if the Spirit moves in your heart and you want to come and be a part of this circle of faith, you know what we're doing now. This, this is what it's about. We're asking for God's touch. And God says, I'm not, not only going to take care of what you're presenting, but I'm going to take care of every need that is represented in your life in Brian's life, in your life. That's, God says, I'm not going to do piecemeal. I'm going to take care of everything. What a wonderful God. And here's what's cool. is Sometimes you're in this crowd and you're timid. And we ask, does anybody else want to be anointed? And you're like, man, I don't want to have to wade. And I get that. I get that. I mean, you, you may be all the way back there and you say, ah, I don't want to have to wade through everybody. But in spiritual essence, you're saying, Lord, I, touch me today too. Touch me in this moment. And God knows exactly who we are and where we are and what we need even beyond what we think we need. I want God to touch Fairyhand and Brian through Fairyhand. I want God to touch me. I want God to touch you. I want us to know that we, we're here not just to teach doctrine, but we're here to experience the presence of the living God. Amen? Amen. To feel His touch upon our lives and to know 
This is real. This is real. This is real. I anoint you in the name of the Lord in behalf of Brian and your family. Lord, you've told us in your word how much you love us. You've even said to us in the book of Ephesians that your spirit would move in our times of praying in such a way that you would bring us to a place to want what we don't even know how to describe. Things that we can't even put into words. Your word says that when we get to that place where words are not enough, that your spirit intercedes in our behalf and brings before you the request that go beyond human words, beyond language. Lord, your word says there are times when you collect our tears in the palm of your hand. And we learn from that that tears are a language, are an expression of the deep hurt that we have in life, but also the deep faith that we have. As Fairy Hand comes this morning to be anointed in behalf of Brian, tears flow down her cheeks, Lord, because she cares deeply and because she believes sincerely in what your hand can do to bring healing to Brian. God, you're so good to us. And there are others of us in this circle who, Lord, need you to touch us. And some of it we can put in words, and some of it we dare not speak, and some of it we, we can't even think how to express it. But here we are, a circle of faith this morning to say, God, we believe in you and we believe in what you're wanting to do in our behalf. Hear our prayer this morning. Accept our feeble faith and send, out, send us out of this place today better than when we came in. Yes. To your glory and to your honor, we ask it. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.